Okay, well, thanks for jo uh, joining us again here on Crunching the Numbers. You have myself, Mark Sepoulos, and the one and only Shane Leonard from Data Driven Sports Analytics. Shane, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, everyone. Thanks, Mark. Uh, yeah, great to be back. Uh, obviously, crunching our numbers once again, Shane. We've obviously been in contact throughout the last week, and um, there's obviously plenty of plenty of people out there online starting to come up with um, so many ways we can stay involved in tennis, and I'm really glad to see that. And obviously, we want to continue to give uh, tennis a, uh, a platform to to continue to grow in this challenging time in isolation. But uh, Shane, we've been doing some some discussion and having a really good chat based around uh, volleys and net play, which is going to be a bit of our theme for for today. But um, you, you've been giving me these stats, which I was just bamboozled by um, regarding the game where it was, you know, 20 years ago to where the game is now. And, the, you know, the reasons why people uh, are coming in or not coming in anymore. And um, do you want to shed some light on some of the things that you did discuss with me earlier regarding you know, where the game has gone now in terms of data and analytics around netplay. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, firstly, I might, might start off saying I've been seeing a lot of volley drills um, hosted by Federer and Murray Djokovic online. So it's uh, it does um, inspire me as a, as a player that played a little bit in the 90s and early 2000s. I, I like to come to the net a little bit. So I am inspired seeing more volley drills and I'm hoping when the tour does resume, we're going to have a bit more net play. Um, but yeah, as Mark was saying, it's um, certainly looking at the data between the 90s um, and, and now that there's a considerable difference. And, and one of the, the, the stats that really astounded me was 80% um, of players started the point by serve volleying in the 90s. That's only 6% now. And then um, another, uh, or if you look at in totality, 93% of points ended up with one player at the net in the 90s only 13% now. Um, but the, almost the silver lining is players are actually winning more points at the net now. So they're winning about 69% of points now compared to 66. But I thought Mark and I can unpack that a little bit today. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's a huge, a huge difference. I mean, 80% serve volley back then to now 6%, 93% um, and down to 13. I, I when you told me that, I, yeah, it's, it's amazing. But as you're saying, though, the, the winning ratio when you do come to the net these days is quite high. Um, when I look at reasons why, and we did discuss this a little bit um, as, we, as you did give me the data, is I feel like players are now waiting for that right opportunity uh, to come in. And when they do come in, it's when they know they're going to win the point as opposed to back you know, years ago, they would just come in it was almost kamikaze coming into the net. You know, it's just, you know, no thought process. I know I'm coming in, I'm coming in, I'm coming in, I'm coming in. I'm going to, I'm going to pound you with that kind of, that intensity and that work rate forward. Whereas now it's more selective. Yeah, yeah. So it is interesting. And obviously the racket and string technology has also changed. So that kamikaze tactic in the 90s where you could come in, you, you almost had a little bit of confidence that, the opposing player didn't have the capability to hit that passing shot by you or getting a ball sort of spinning and dipping on you um, in, in the 90s and, and you could handle that first, second volley that, that would come at you. And I think that's changed a little bit. Um, I wanted to give you some more data, Mark. And, and this is just looking at um, success when a player has to hit one volley, two volley, three. Um, so players hitting one volley, 
the top 10 are winning 85% of points. And even a player outside the top 100 is winning 73% of points if they're only having to hit one volley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... Well, we, we had a good chat around this. And one of the things I'm feeling like um, is happening at the moment is players are now, as we discussed, waiting for that opportunity to really bury the approach shot and, and get that volley that's sitting on top of the net, as opposed to back in the day, 90s, where that, that serve or approach and hit the first volley from the service line, then they close in a little bit, hit the next volley, maybe close in again and play a third volley. Now it's like, okay, I want to bury my ball and ensure that the player's really on defense and I can take the court space and then I come in and, and can bury that uh, that volley and finish it off in, in one volley. And, and players these days don't want to spend time rallying with their volley. They want to spend the time just putting the volley away. And uh, I think the best advocate has to be Rafael Nadal. You know, he hits his big, heavy forehand and he just charges in and takes the volley well above the net level and, and gives you no chance. So um, there's obviously that's probably one of the reasons why these days that the, the one volley um, has such a high success rate is that the, and you did touch on it before, technology has changed that. I think the ability to be able to pop the ball now, whether it be on a pro shot or whether it be on a return to serve um, with the strings and the racket technology is just incredible. So the game speed for me has changed the way that volleys have become. And you are correct as well, where you spoke about players now are fearful of serve volleying because racket technology is so good that the return of serve has become almost a weapon in the game and not just one of those defensive skills that it used to be. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and, and I suppose some, some other things to just highlight that, you know, going to the net is still an important play is that, 27% of approaches actually end up in you not having to hit another ball. Um, you approach it and the opponent either misses it or dumps it into the net. So um, there's still a large proportion of your approaches that you're not even having to hit that one volley. Um, yeah, and, and that's a great point. We, um, I coached a player back in 2017, could have been 17, 16, I can't even remember the year now, but Dane Propoggio from Australia and he played... Um, Played the Australian Open, got to the last round qualifying by having one tactic. And I said to him, um, I want, he was a baseline player predominantly, and I wanted him to start to pressure the opponent a little bit more. And we had a goal of coming in 30 times per match. And I said, I don't care how you do it, whether it's a serve volley, whether you, you take the ball off the return, come in 30 times per match. So we had that as a target. In the three matches he played, so first round, second round, third round qualifying, he lost that third round to Kyle Edmund uh, in the third set, 9-7. Each match, basically the first two matches, he came in 33 times in the first one, 36 times in the second one. He won 30 points out of the 33 in the first one. He won 33 out of 37 in the second one. And in both matches, he only hit two violets. That's incredible. In both matches. Um, which is incredible to, to see that. And basically what we talked about was applied pressure. If you can apply the pressure and, and make your opponent come up with something that they don't want to do, then we can force them into error a little bit more often. Come the third match, in a 9-7 third set match that went for three and a half hours, he only came in 25 times. But he won 22 of those points and only hit two volleys as well. Now, what I said to him, if he had to come in maybe that five or six times more he probably would have taken that match a little bit earlier than what he did. Um, And it was about applying more pressure to your opponent. And I think that's the biggest thing about net play 
is it takes away time, it takes away space from your opponent, and it gives them a smaller target to defend into. And that is what tennis needs to become a little bit more of, is taking away time and space. Yeah. And just to sort of um, finish, finish the point on that, um, so 27% of uh, points are sort of unreturned. You're not even having to hit a volley. And, and players talk about being fearful of being passable. They only get past 20% of the time. So you're still ahead by approaching the net because um, it, it's a slightly better margin uh, there. Um, the, the other thing I just wanted to touch on, Mark, so in the 90s when you're hitting three-plus volleys, players are still winning roughly 50% of the points. It's dropped significantly now to, to, to low 30s. What's the difference now, I suppose, in terms of that sort of first, second, third volley that's sort of causing that significant difference? Oh, look, there's no doubt, um, and this is coming from probably practicality in, in tennis, is most young kids now developing games, for me, are not spending time at the net. Um, you know, they'll do their baseline stuff, they'll rally, they'll maybe play some points out, but there's no real focus in on coming in. And, and one of the, the, the problems is, is that people aren't developing the skill of the volley like they used to. People aren't developing the slice like they used to or the feel shots. It's all predominantly power. Um, and people just want to see the top players hitting the ball so big and they want to be that. If you don't spend time on something, you don't become good at something. If I don't spend time at the net, I'm never going to be good at the net. So what happens then is that the players, when you ask them to come in, don't have the confidence and the belief that they can volley. So they only come in when they have to. They only come in when the player's in absolute total defense. Um, and they won't come in to play a setup volley and then take the net and play the second or third volley after that because they don't have the confidence and the feel to be able to do it. Growing up in our era, Shane, you know, back, you know, back in the 90s, where you would play and, and practice your volleys all the time. I'd be on the wall volleying every day. That was how I played tennis. And I couldn't hit ground strokes. It was something that I didn't do. Because when I watched on TV, players were coming in and it was how I developed my game. Now, they see players at the back of the court and they just want to be that. They want to be Novak Djokovic. They want to be Rafa Nadal. They want to be Serena Williams or Maria Sharapova and just crack the ball from the back of the court. And if you don't, encourage these players to spend time at the net they won't do it so we we need to as coaches or as tennis lovers bring back what is like you're saying um the the data's in your favor if you come forward and i i definitely tell that to my players and try to encourage that they practice the volley and come forward but it's up to them to go away and do and then the other flip side of that is as a coach i only get maybe one hour with a player per week now, what do you prioritize? The shot that you're going to hit maybe 20, 30% of the time in the volleys or the shots that you're doing all the time, the serve, the return, the ground strokes. Yeah. You know, the predominant, the predominant volume that you're doing is on the ground strokes, return and serve. So, you know, you have to, as a coach, prioritize where you go. And this is the, you know, what do you value as a coach? What do you value as a player? And then that's what you'll do in practice. Yeah, so that, I mean, that, that's a, a great sort of dilemma scenario that you've gone through about prioritisation there. Um, I do want to touch on something that you, you did with a player that we worked uh, together at the Australian Open. Um, um, so David, and he, he was certainly a player that struggled um, when we started at the net. And, um, and I almost say he was a little bit fearful of being at the net. So I just want to maybe get you to talk about how you changed that mindset, how you use doubles to kind of help his singles volume game. 
Yeah, I think through the, the doubles was really important. So we spent a lot of time, this just goes back to my previous point, we actually spent a hell of a lot of time on volleys um, during the Australian Open period, which he had never done before. He'd never spent time at the net. Therefore, he was pretty fearful of coming in. The other, the other tough one that, that David had was he spent a lot of time as a player three to four metres off the back of the court. So coming into the net was just not even an option. What we did was change his court space, uh, or sorry, his court positioning to take away some space and time from the opponent. So we got him playing up the court, which meant that he could crack the ball bigger, put the guy on defense, and then he had more opportunity to come forward and hit his volley from inside the service line, not a meter and a half back. So that was probably the biggest change for us was the court, the court position. I think that was important. And then spending time at the net. Without those two things, David would have still been in the same spot today, but he has this belief in himself now to be able to play up the court a little bit, take the time away, hit the ball bigger and put the guy in a defensive position. So, you know, if you don't put the, the player in defense up the other end of the court, you're not coming in. You're going to have to sit back and wait. Um, and that was our biggest change. And, you know, we, we, we valued the volleys more. I got him to understand the value of volleys and the, the numbers behind it. And that was what changed his, his fortunes and obviously won the Australian Open doubles and then gone on to win a future in Greece playing on a hard court, which he never really liked. But now that he plays in a better court position, he's able to, to really play offensively on that sort of court. I just thought maybe one, one point to sort of end on today. Um, I know you've done a, a lot of great work with, um, with doubles and, and even work with the Brian brothers as well. But just for our listeners, just to maybe illustrate some of the difference between volleying in the singles game and, and the doubles game and, and, and I suppose the challenges of being a doubles player, sort of bringing that to, to singles and having success. Yeah, it's a real challenge because in doubles, you're, you're starting at the net generally. And, and it makes it a lot a lot easier for you to be able to volley when you're starting there than it is when you're coming in. That's um, definitely a challenge. Now, uh, the, the best doubles players in the world don't allow the player coming forward from the baseline to volley. So the, the, the poacher or the net player will take the volley before the player coming in gets it. So that's where the volley becomes easier. You're on top of the net already. It becomes a lot easier volley. Um, it's more reflex volleys than it is um, set-up volleys. So... In doubles, you're pretty much finishing the volley in one shot, whereas singles, you might have to play one set-up volley, close the net, and then play it, um, play it from closer in to, to finish the point. Uh, you know, so it's a different ball game altogether. I feel like um, I think it's the, there's a stat that 70% of points finished from the net in doubles, or 80% finished in the net in doubles. So it's a total flip around from singles, obviously, but um, there's a lot less space and, and time in doubles. So. Um, you know, you, you've got the net player who's dominating the court as much as possible. Uh, it's not really a baseline game. So, yeah, look, it's doubles is a, is a for me, it's a different game altogether um, to singles. And it teaches you so much about just really wanting the ball at the net as opposed to waiting for something to happen. You've got to create uh, volleys in doubles and you've got to create that that uh, positioning to be able to get the volley. Um, and you're basically hitting most volleys from on top of the net. Whereas in singles, you're probably going to hit most of them from on the level of the net or even slightly below net level, uh, pr probably more often than not. So that could be a bit of homework for you, Shane. Try, try and see how many volleys are hit from above the net level and, and below. Go, go and right, count right. I'll, I'll take that on notice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, look, it's, um, it's definitely something that, uh, you know, I watch the, the Bryans and they're just incredible at what they do. But a lot of their volleys are taken from above net level and they're able to play from a high 
position down to a lower position. Whereas coming in in singles, you generally, your first volley is more of a neutralizing volley or to, to set up volley and then you close in from there. Yeah, well, I, look, I, I think, you know, you obviously highlighted a massive part of um, the game that needs to, to be taught more, brought back. And uh, obviously, uh, it's, it's a position of the court at the net where we're going to win predominantly more of our points if we can get there. So it's a matter of teaching our players how to get there is a really important factor. And you've highlighted a really big uh, moment for a lot of listeners out there that are going to be jumping on the court, obviously, after this whole uh, pandemic is over and uh, we'll get ourselves volleying again. Let's get on those brick walls like we used to in, in the 90s and uh, start volleying and getting confidence in our volleys and, and spending time there. But, you know, I think it's important to be able to practice them, Shane. I think it's, that's one of the biggest things is practice your volley, gain some belief, gain some, uh, some confidence in, uh, in, in the net play and coming forward. And if you gain the confidence, you're going to want to come forward and finish the points off. And that's a huge, huge part of, uh, of uh, net players gaining that belief to come in. Yeah, uh, it's a great, great point to sort of end on. Um, and uh, and uh, I might just add the some of the reasons why, you know, Federer and, and Nadal have been able to extend their career is that they're actually in the last couple of years finishing more points at the net. So that's um, a good point, I think, to, to end on from me. Absolutely. No, thanks a lot, Shane, again, for all your work. I mean, that data is just uh, invaluable for a lot of people. We're just going to take that, hopefully, and utilise as much of it as we can for our games and our players' games. And I do appreciate everything that you do in terms of your research and the way you go about things. Uh, obviously, you put a lot of work into this. And um, you can find Shane at Data Driven Sports Analytics. Uh, get, on, get hold of it. Check him out on social media. Uh, he's got a lot of great data. And there's a lot of people sharing your stuff now, Shane, because they're seeing the value in it. And I do appreciate your time. Thanks, everyone. See you again next week. Uh, that was another episode of Crunching the Numbers. Obviously, the net game, the net play and the volleys were a critical part of what we did today. So get yourself to the net, practice it, get your confidence. Uh, obviously, we've, uh, we've got a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of numbers in our favour when we do come forward and take away that time and space. So thanks for joining us once again. Uh, I'm Mark Sifors. Catch me at the tennis menu. Uh, and uh, for anything that you need, get hold of us, uh, both Shane and myself. We're more than happy to... Uh, speak tennis, talk tennis at any, any stage because obviously we want to keep tennis at the forefront of our minds and it is a passion of ours. We love it. We love crunching the numbers weekly. We love uh, digging deep into the game of tennis and thanks so much for joining us once again here on Crunching the Numbers.